Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Hello and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa, and Waala Saira is also here. Now, March is Poetry Month and Sharjah's Al Rawi Cultural Cafe is gearing up for a series of events to celebrate, including a poetry slam on World Poetry Day. From 11am, we're going to be hearing all of the details from Zora Qureshi from Arrawi and Al Anud Ali from the Emirates Publishers Association. But first on the show, we're talking nurturing self-esteem in kids. Conscious parenting expert Anissa Sharif is back next for more on how to bring out your child's self-confidence through play. Join in the conversation next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Now, we all need to cultivate a healthy amount of self-esteem where we feel good about ourselves. And for our children, good self-esteem helps them to try new things, take healthy risks and to solve problems. It gives them a solid foundation for their learning and development. But how do you do it the right way? Anissa Sharif, conscious parenting expert and founder of Tenshia is here. She is back to take us through it. Welcome back, Anissa. Hi. Now, Anissa, we brought you in for this topic. And I think a lot of people, they get confused around um, around what self-esteem actually means for both us and for our kids, because uh, we get it confused with things like praising our children a lot, uh, overpraising an inflated self, a Mm -hmm. sense of self and ego and that kind of thing. So it's you know, people kind of go to me, well, you know, isn't that kind of going the wrong way? Should yeah. should we be talking about self-esteem? So first of all, let's break it down. What is <laughs> self-esteem? What does that even mean? Yeah, that's that's a good place to start because sometimes we talk about things and we talk about different things. We use the same word, but we talk about different things. So it's not about praising all the time, definitely. It's not about... Um, ego or anything it's about just being comfortable with who you are Uh, and this is how I'd like to think of it just being comfortable with With, who you are with who you are and with all of who you are you know all of your emotions and all of your um, needs and, and, and being responsive to those needs and emotions in a healthy way without you know um dumping them on others or expecting others to to um, fill these needs for you just having this healthy um, image of yourself it's a healthy sense of self yes self and, and worthiness esteem and worth yes I mean I'm, I'm worthy I'm, I'm here because I'm um, I have a, a, an important thing to do in this life you have a purpose I have a purpose. you are here for a purpose yeah and I just like I, I need you kind of to, to expand on this, Anissa, because what you've said is so incredibly simple, but so incredibly profound. Yeah. And I think if if each of us kind of took a moment to kind of process that mm-hmm. and to really understand what who we are and, uh, you know, to be comfortable with every part of ourselves, the light and the dark. Yes. Parts of ourselves. The dark even before the light. Because this is the thing that's, I mean, the light is praised and everybody um, love it and we don't have any problem with it. But the dark side of ourselves is the side that we 
kind of like we ignore and hide, but it's usually important and it has an important message that it needs to tell us. Oh my goodness. And, um, and we need to make peace with it. We need to talk about this. There's a lot we need to talk about here. But first of all, why is it important to cultivate a sense of self-esteem? Both, but, And I'm going to keep saying in ourselves mm-hmm. and in our children because as we say on this show, while um, the parenting has nothing to do with your kids and everything to do with you. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. As a parent, I can I can uh, fully fully appreciate that uh, that statement. So, why is that important then, Anissa, to to do that to to cultivate a sense of self esteem? I would say it simply to just have a more peaceful word. And mm. um, most of the issues that we deal with, be it environment, war, wars, poverty. It's because people are trying to find and fill a hole in themselves. And it's usually goes back to self-worth. And this is like my simple answer. A lacking, yeah, a lack when yeah. we're talking about self-worth. Okay, so th- let's kind of go back. So where does self-esteem then come from mm-hmm. how how are we cultivating what we already have of yeah. self-esteem okay so let's go back and say when a child is born right they're coming to a new world so they're they're full and we've talked about this so they come with the full range of emotions but they don't have anything they don't know anything about this word or how it works or is it a safe place or are they going to be loved? And this, these are things that they get through the primary relation with their parents. It's like it's exactly like when you join a new company, right? So you have the skills and you think you'll do good, but it's the first few days in that place that will give you um, the self of trust and safety. So are people warm? Are they supportive? Are they nice to you? Are they helpful? Or are they demanding? Or they don't, like they have lots of expectations from you. So it's exactly the same with children. And when they are born, they get the self-worth and self-esteem from the way their parents respond to them. Mm. So if I respond to the children in a positive way, I, I'm like um, there, I'm connected, uh, um, physically, uh, eye contact, I understand what their needs are and I can respond to them. They will get the sense that, oh, this is a safe space and I'm loved and I'm appreciated. And this is the first point where self-worth and self-esteem start, you know, through this primary relationship with the parent Mm, mm, mm. what you've said is really important that they need to feel like they're important Mm. in in, in the the attention that we give them Uh, but then some people might go well you know that can you give a child too much attention can you give a child uh, too much of that where they start to think that they're the center of the universe and that everything revolves around them mm-hmm. uh, you know a comment that I got from uh, the team at Morning Measures before is that there's a very fine line between cultivating self-esteem and uh, an inflated ego shall true. we say very very true and this takes me to the second point 
the most important thing that we do this because we're so scared of our children's emotions. So when I say responsive, being responsive to your children, you have to respons- respond in a balanced way. So children need love and connection, yes, and but they also need structures and they need um, fair and clear boundaries and they need to experience the full range of emotion without trying to protect them from it. Mm. So when children feel sad or jealous or angry, the first thing that we try to do as parents is to stop that because this is the dark side of ourselves, right? These are the quote-unquote negative emotions and we don't want to deal with them because we We've been told that we shouldn't deal with them. And we don't give the space for the child to go through a full tantrum, for example. This is a healthy thing. They need to experience sadness. They need to experience grief. And we want to protect them from these feelings. So what we end up doing, we're sending them a message that these feelings are wrong. But they're still feeling them, right? So they get confused. So they're if this is not a feeling that I should be feeling, but I'm feeling anyway, there must be something wrong with me. Exactly. Yeah? Yeah. So, yes, um, we're all for putting, setting boundaries and um, letting peop- uh, kids feel and supporting them lovingly through the sadness or the disappointments or all of that. And this is how you balance both sides. Love and also the, all the dark side and all the difficult emotions, let's call them. And he said we need to come back and talk about that. How? Because I think some parents are freaking out right now yeah. uh, where you just said uh, giving the child the space to go through a full tantrum, yeah. uh, not in the middle of a supermarket, that's for sure. Uh, but, but you bring up some very, very important points. So we, we're going to come back in just a moment and unpack all of that with Anissa Ashif here on Life Beats. Pulse 95. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Oh, I tell you what. Um, yeah, this is one for every parent or anybody who has to deal with kids on a very regular basis. Um, Anissa Sharif, hand in hand uh, parenting expert, is with us in the studio once again. So good to have you back, Anissa. And you're, you're bringing up some amazing points here. Uh, as we talk about self-esteem, what it is mm-hmm. and what it isn't, um, and something that you said uh, really caught my attention, and that is giving your child the space to go through a full tantrum. Now, yes. you need to explain this for parents because <laughs> lots of parents are freaking out going, what on earth do you mean? Yeah. All right, tell us. So, yeah, it, I mean exactly <laughs> what I said. <laughs> you just give the space to the child to go through a full tantrum. This is a natural way for our nervous system to release tension. Crying, tantruming, laughing even. What we need to differentiate between, though, is the emotions and the behaviors. So emotions are accepted and welcomed and supported but behaviors are not. So if your child is going through a tantrum and they start, you know, breaking things in the house or hitting their little, like, sibling, you you just stop that Mm. lovingly and firmly with the understanding that they they are in a phase 
where they cannot control their impulses. So you just stop them gently. No, no, I can't let you do that. Don't do this. But you let the emotions come out because this is, you need these emotions and this anger out of your system, out, out of your child's system. You don't want them to stay there. And y- when you do that and you give the child the, f- the time to release these emotions and you hold the space for them, your love comes in and fill that space afterwards. And you're giving them a very strong message that you're loved, I'm here, I'm here for you, to support you, whatever the situation is. Mm. And actually stopping children from bad behaviors when they are unregulated, when they are going through tantrums, is a very good thing for them. Because children feel bad about the the bad things that they do. They know that they shouldn't break things or hurt people or, or, or. So by me stopping these behaviors, I'm helping actually my child. Mm. I'm supporting them. I'm holding the space for them to express their emotions in a healthy way without feeling bad about it later or without hurting themselves or others. Mm. It's, it's about you coming in yes. and kind of, because they need that safe space yes. to express. Yes. You know, it's like when you have, you don't have, um, a data package on your phone, right? So I'm here, I'm, I don't have a data package, but you do. So you kind of give me that hotspot that I can um, rely on yeah. and use yeah. to get connected. That's exactly how we work it out with our kids. So we need to be regulated as parents to help them, to co-regulate them. Because you're just, it's about the energy that they've got going on it's there. It's about and the, the energy the and yeah. about the actual or, um, need of the uh, nervous system at that point. Mm. Because it is, it is a, a quality that children or, um, yeah, let's say a quality is children don't have yet. And when they're highly emotional, they can't self-regulate. So what you do is you stop it. It's energy and it's actually stopping the bad behavior. Mm. So it's actually stepping in and gently help them not do what they shouldn't do. Right. So instead of just shouting, don't don't hit your sister. I come in between and I stop them. Physically. This is really important because this is one of my favorite things that you've taught on this show. And that is about holding the space yes. for your child when they are having that moment um, to kind of physically step in and literally hold the space. It's, yeah. you know, whether you need to physically connect with them, yeah. hold them, mm-hmm. you know, do something, be there. And that just changes the entire dynamic of what's yeah. going on in that in that moment. Yeah. You need to give them that skill or do that thing that they cannot do Mm. stop their hand from moving and hitting and this is how they develop that then they develop that emotional awareness and understanding of what is acceptable behavior and what is not and how to actually harness their emotions in the right way this and also when the emotions are out of the system Mm. they have more access to their thinking brain so they can regulate better so we notice this after a full tantrum, when a child is kind of released all the emotions, they're more cooperative, 
they're nicer to their siblings. They have more a bigger ability to learn new skills. So it's it's a, an actual um, change in the brain. So we release the emotions, we calm that emotional part of the brain, and then we have more access to our thinking brain. It's a vital function that's going yes. on. It's amazing. Um, I think it's from, from from what you're saying, Anissa. It's a question of of timing. When when as parents we intervene after the tantrum or after the emotional wave sort of passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this, this begs the question for me, what signs as a parent, what signs do I look for, for the indication that this tantrum is subsiding or whether it's in the heat of the fire of it? Uh, uh, what signs do I look for to know when to intervene with that parental advice? We do, we do learn in, in our courses lots of um, signs to look for but the biggest thing is the child going off track so if the child is well regulated and they're trying to do something and you tell them no 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 you can't do this this is wrong or this is not safe if they're well regulated they'll usually be able to respond to you if they're not responding and if they're giving you um, a tantrum or they're just going, uh, really giving you lots of big emotions, you know that you're not talking to the uh, thinking part of their brain. It's their emotional part. The emotional part of their brain is taking over. And when that's happened, you cannot go into convincing and arguing. Nothing you say is going to make a difference. Nothing is registering. Mm. They just kind of got um, in touch with that thinking part. You need to help them now regulate by setting clear boundaries. No, 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 you can't do this without trying to convince, you know, and go through the um, the same monologues that we go right. through. Just stop it and hold that boundary and allow the emotions to come out. The problem is that a lot of parents wait till something goes wrong yes. before yes. they give that attention. Yes. Children signal all the time. They signal with small, small um, behaviors. Like, uh, put on your shoes. No, 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 I can't put, I don't want these shoes. And when we bribe them. Like, if you put your shoes, I'll give you something, right? Or we're like, if you don't put your shoes, I'm not going to take you out. But (laughs) that was a signal for some tension building in their their Mm. system. Mm. So what I need to do is say, no, I'm sorry. You'll have to put on your shoes. And if they give you a tantrum, brilliant. This is what you want to, this is what you need. You need to get that emotion out. And the tantrum won't be huge. But if you bribe them, you go out and they're like, I want this toy. No, you can't have this toy, but you promised me. And they go through a tantrum and then I bribe them again. And it just kind of builds like the tantrum when it actually comes is going to be way bigger. Oh, yes. So we need to learn. One of the things that we train parents on is to start looking for these small signals. And sometimes these signals come through an invitation to play. So the child will come and do something silly or like throw a pillow on you or pull you in a way. And you're just, why are you doing this? and you respond in anger. So you build up on the tension. 
This is it. This is it. We have to come back in just a moment, uh, Anissa, and talk about why play is so important and so crucial to this discussion. Uh, Amazing, amazing. Lots more to come here with Anissa Sharif next on Life Beats on Pulse95. Pulse95. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse95. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to the Live Beat Show with Sally Musa and me, Wa'al Sayer. On today's show, we are speaking all about self-esteem and the children. And we have in the studio Anissa Sharif, who is enlightening us on the topic from a very practical uh, manner. Uh, so I think we were talking, uh, Anissa, about the vital role of play. And you were educating us that, that there are actually types of play. And some will obviously be more useful Uh, to us than others. Yes, that's true. Usually when parents think of play, we think of structured play. And even in schools and educational setups, we always think that we need to design something for the children to entertain them. But the way we at Hand in Hand think of it is very different. We One of the types that we really uh, encourage parents to try is the child-led unstructured play and the less props you have toys and stuff the better so it's like you just go to your child and you say I have 10-15 minutes and we call the special time uh, as a tool so we're like um, I have 10 minutes I can spend these 10 minutes with you what would you like to do and when we give the children that space with full attention. So my mobile is off, nobody's intervening, and it's usually, special time is usually one-to-one. And children will use that time and attention to design and direct the play in the areas where they have emotional tension or say uh, rigidity or timidity or whatever issues that they're dealing with in their inner world. Yeah, give us an example of how they do that exactly. Okay, so let's say there's a child who is um, who's gone through lots of medical procedures, mm-hmm. for example. Okay, and they have um, a fear of falling or injuring themselves, and they don't take lots of risks in their play. So I might take them to the playground, and they don't climb, or they don't they don't want me to push them on the swing high, and they have all of that in. If I know how to play with them and I keep it regular, the special time, and I give them my full attention, what we notice that they will direct the play to areas where they can do take physical challenges, little by little. And that is where their um, confidence, self-confidence will grow. This is where they will try to take small little risks with their parents in the safe space that we created. So this is one example, right? Children who suffer from, um, uh, we see this in little kids who start school, for example. They they suddenly are in a setup where they have a very um, detailed structure and sometimes it's not well explained to them. So when we give them that space, they would ask always to play teacher, you know, they will take the teacher role and they will start directing you. And this is a way of them dealing with the frustration of being told what to do all day. So they're now releasing that kind of tension and 
play like reversing the roles. So these are examples. Sometimes we would be able to understand what is the emotional challenge that the child is working on during this time. And sometimes we don't. We want. And that's okay. We just need to trust that if we give them our attention, full attention, and we give them the space, and very important, we can't say a lot of no's in the special time. So mm. we need to allow things that we won't allow usually. For example, that child who's so afraid of falling or hurting themselves, probably the mom or the dad are equally anxious. So they always will find ourselves as parents saying, no, don't climb, don't do this, don't do that. But we need to control that kind of anxiety and fear in that time and allow the child to take risks in, in the way that they are ready and prepared to. And some children will take advantage of this and fully like you know jump on the challenges that they want and some kids will take some time to build trust so they'll they'll choose small safe challenges and then they will increase it as they go Anisa, I think the um, a big part of what you're saying when you say child-led, yeah. that's a really interesting word that's really opened up a lot of uh, thoughts and questions in my mind. So it obviously insinuates that the child knows what to do. And when you say that, uh, and that can be quite intuitive, uh, counterintuitive mm-hmm. to a way of parental thinking that says the child knows nothing, mm-hmm. they're empty, your job is to fill them up and tell them, tell them what to do. But the concept that you're referring to not only, I believe, uh, requires that we give full attention. You were saying no phones, you're just fully engaged yeah. and present with this child. I think it also, and please correct me if I'm wrong, it also entails a degree of giving the child the respect that they can lead, that they do know something in them knows what needs to be done. We just need to allow that to happen. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes, 100%. We are, we're all, as human beings, are born with the natural um, awareness of what we need to release our emotions. Okay, so yeah, children needs us to teach them boundaries and how to deal with others and safety. These are things that is they are taught and, and created by us, the structures that were created by us humans. But you, we eat food, right? Well, we eat food and we don't think even of how our digestive system deals with it. So that our digestive system works naturally. It takes what it needs and what we don't need, it just leaves our body our emotional system is the same we're wired we have the capacity to deal with our emotional um, stresses and this is through play uh, uh, laughter tantrum uh, um, crying these are our natural ways of um, releasing tension yeah and when we are sad we cry because the cortisol comes out of with the tears that we cry, if we cry out of joy, different hormones come out of with our tears. Play and laughter and having a relation with someone who we trust and love is also a therapeutic um, way or um, yeah, natural wire. It's naturally wired in us. So children don't know if, if they have, say, a bad day at school. They don't come to you and say, 
um, I had a bad day, my, my friend did this to me, and I felt blah, 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 whatever. They don't have the language for this, yeah? They come and say, I want to play with you. That's, that's the natural way of um, them responding to that stress. Or they will give you a big tantrum, or they will be, they, they'll show off-track behavior so you can't put a limit and they use it as a pretext for them to release the tension. And play is one of, when they invite us to play, this is what they're asking. I, I just need your attention and I yeah. need to release some tension. I think we need to kind of get better at being in tune with our kids and, yeah. and how they are and who they are every day. Just like anybody who's going to be a significant yeah. other in our lives. You have to be in tune with yes. with those signals. They're going to give you so many clues as to what True. they're needing and wanting. True. And, and we have to give them that time. That's right. And we have to be in tune with ourselves as well. Mm. You know, we lost that ability to read the signals because we lost the like the ability to read our signals because our body signals to us all the time when we're stressed when we're but they give it our body is so intelligent and our nervous system is so intelligent and and and, and we need to just listen to it but also and i want to come back to this in just a moment with you um anisa uh, that kind of relationship you know when we're talking about the dark side of us yeah uh it's very much related to failure the negative emotions are very much related to failure and a lot of people a lot of parents think that cultivating self-esteem means that my child is invulnerable and they're not going to fail so we're going to come back we're going to talk about that and talk about other types of play that are very important lots more to come here on life beats this is pulse 95 Life Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. There are a, a lot of things uh, to unpack here when you're talking about self-esteem. And in terms of um, play, that is one of the most important areas where things will come out that you do not expect to come out, Anissa. Um, which I love so much that we're exploring here. Um, but like you said, there are going to be times when your child needs you. Mm-hmm. That They may not throw a tantrum. They may just ask you to come yes. and play. And uh, something we were talking about earlier is that, you know, looking at those darker emotions, you know, as it were, it's often seen as like, the, the, well, this is like you said, this is the part that we try to suppress, that we try to squash, that we try to not deal with because mm-hmm. it's seen as going hand in hand with failure yeah that if if we feel bad if we feel sad then that means we're weak we're weak yeah and we have so help us to understand how self-esteem is not about being invulnerable as a lot of parents think yes i mean like i can't do this topic justice you just have to go and if you haven't read um the work of Brene Brown on vulnerability. So one of the, um, you know, um, the ways, the w- one of the ways that I explain it to parents usually is this. So if if you have a phobia from snakes, let's say, and, and Wild doesn't, and I bring a snake here to the studio and both of you touch it, who is the brave? person amongst you it's the person who has phobia yeah because 
being brave doesn't mean that not being afraid or scared or vulnerable. It's being vulnerable and working with that. Despite of being scared, you've done something. But you can't do that if you don't make peace with your fear and vulnerability. Mm. So if you're so scared of your fear, if you're so scared of your vulnerability, it will take over you. But if you're like, yeah, okay, I am, I'm, I'm anxious. And actually one of the things that really, I, I was reading a paper on this, on anxiety in children. We don't deal with anxiety or we shouldn't deal with anxiety as something bad. So the first step in, in the new approaches of dealing with it, specifically with children, is to make it, uh, to make them f friends, you know, the, to, to talk to them about how anxiety is a good thing for you. It's just your brain trying to protect you, yes. but it is overprotective. So let's, let's accept it. It's not something wrong. It's not something scary. But when we have anxiety, what can we do so it doesn't stop us? We just make peace with the scary emotions, be it anxiety, be it failure, be it a weakness, jealousy, whatever, what, that we don't accept what the dark side of ourselves. Right. What, one of my favorite books around this, and, and we've talked about it on the show here before, is First We Make the Beast Beautiful. Have you heard about yes. this? Yes. By Sarah Wilson. Yes. yes. Amazing, amazing book uh, about exactly that topic, about yeah. embracing anxiety because she was somebody, and she, you know, she deals with anxiety mm -hmm. every day of her life, highly functional, yeah. functioning individual, and, and you just do. You yeah. just, you first have to understand the emotion. Yeah. Uh, and 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 this this goes back to us as adults, doesn't it, Anissa? True. In terms of understanding us, true. A again, you know what this is. You know what we're talking about: understanding who we are, the the light and the dark side of it, right? Uh, absolutely. And and I I would be full on with just an episode of on how where does parenting start and end with us as parents? Because whenever we talk about parents, I, I I it's always obviously about the children and their emotions and their their frustrations and their tantrums and how sure. we can support them but I, I'd, I'd love to be involved in a, in a, in a discussion purely uh, about uh, how we as adults can prepare ourselves how parenting can be a positive thing uh, for, for our own personalities and our own lives yeah it's you see the, the secret in this is to start reframing the relation so thinking of our children as our biggest teachers you know the, because they mirror us all the time and with they come with the purity in this world they have the full capacity of being who they are they're not ashamed of throwing a tantrum exactly they're not ashamed of asking for what they want but we condition them to be mm. so we need really to look at children as teachers and see where we have lost touch with our natural instinct. And play is one of the really beautiful examples. And I, f I see this a lot with parents. The, m the way that we explain play in hand in hand and, and we ask them to just take off the parent hat and go to the level of the child, let them lead and, and be silly and be goofy and, and, and just do the things that y you're not allowed to do and it's so difficult 
it's so, so difficult for parents to do this, including me, I, I have to say it. I, I need to work a lot on myself to, to be able to play in this way because no one played with me in this way. I was conditioned, so I always think of it as a healing process for me to get in touch with parts of myself that was kind of pushed aside or denied. And we have this saying that goes like, you don't stop playing because you grow up. You grow up when you stop playing. Mm. And that's really absolutely true. And I see it every single day with the parents that I work with and with my own relation with my... For parents who find it so hard, Mm. where do they start? Where should they start? How do you do it? How do you open up? Yeah, we, we have a nice tool for that. We call it listening partnership for this or any emotions that triggers trigger in your relation with your children because this this is something that's for the nature of parenting. We mm. keep being triggered. So instead of put like pulling these emotions back to the children or getting anxious or shouting or punishing or whatever, we find an adult who can listen to us and we we have something we call listening partnerships so in our community we encourage people we teach them how to listen how to ask questions and how to um, support each other through support groups and in individual one-to-one um, um, relationships and when you get that kind of skills and when you have a supportive community you can use that as a, a space to get uh, your emotions out, to you know, um, get some love and attention that you can go and pour back in your relation with your child. Oh my gosh, um, Anissa, uh, f- just finally, because we, we don't want to kind of leave this out, but we, we have about a minute left. In terms of, you know, because you g- talked about two different types of play. Yes. So rough housing, <coughs> why mm-hmm. is this important? People are so scared of this. They think mm-hmm. if they played in this um, way with their children, they'd become violent, but it's the other way around. Yeah. If you look at l- small animals like lion cubs, they they do roughhousing all the time. It doesn't teach them um, only hunting skills, but it teaches them the limit of their power. So when it, what is the hard kick that when I like really overdose, it the, the, the play will stop? Where would I hit hard and the play will stop? And children need this because we're born and we don't know the the power and the limit of our strength. And when we do these things in a safe space with our parents, whether it's uh, wrestling or, or pillow fight, it really helps us understand our strength. And the parent then can put gentle um, boundaries. No, 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 that's too much, it hurts. And the child then builds their self-esteem, understand their power, understand the limits of where it is playful and where it is hurtful. It's, it's a topic that we need to continue this with. This is a, a big thing. You can't we even can talk about it. This is amazing. Hours. Thank <laughs> you so much, Anissa. We have run out of time, but thank you so much. We're going to have you back Pleasure. again. Thank you. To continue the conversation because I think it's uh, it started a lot uh, of you know, thought-provoking discussions mm-hmm. here uh, with you once again today. And of course, this will be on a podcast. Anissa Sharif, thank you so much. Thank you. 
This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10am.